Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? Are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does it say? it would be a good... (laughs) I didn't even get to idea. Maybe I can just ask you the question. (laughs) It's going well. It's going really well. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Right and Wrong podcast. Today, I'm joined by author, inventor, businesswoman and artist, Lizzie Chantry. Hi, Lizzie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, I'm glad to have you. Just reading through that introduction about you, I'm wondering how on earth you find enough hours in the day to do all these things. (laughs) Um, Well, it's a lot of uh, time management planning, um, which is, again, why I write about networking some of the time, because... uh, Obviously, as a creative, you have to find time to relax as well as work, um, to feel creative. So it is a bit of a juggle. Um, But I do have things like planners where I write down things um, I'm doing during the day. And I kind of – I don't use scheduling too much, actually, uh, considering I use social media a lot uh, because I think it's very important to have that kind of personal touch where you're actually talking to people uh, rather than just a wooden post that's, uh, you know, you're not interacting with. So it is all about time management. Okay. I mean, I didn't even mention, you know, family, mother. That's a whole other part that you need to find time for. Yeah. And obviously that part is the priority as well. So um, everything else has to be flexible around home, family life. But I'm very lucky that, you know, I can sit in the car while the kids are at school clubs and things like that over the years and, and write while I'm in there. I can work on my phone. I can take a laptop to a cafe while they're doing their clubs and things like that. So um, I think with this industry, we are very lucky that it is quite flexible. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And let's 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 talk about the books and writing. You have a number of books out. Most recently, just a couple of weeks ago, The Woman Who Felt Invisible. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, that's um, quite excited about that book. It's just really about kind of feeling lonely and the kind of assumptions we sometimes make about how people are and what their lives are about. Um, and some people were very much smiley on the outside, um, but actually feeling quite isolated and lonely on the inside. Um, yeah. And also it's about ageing. As people get older, we sometimes feel like people don't actually see us. Um, so the main character in this book, Olivia, she's actually a former cyber specialist, um, but she's fallen okay. on hard times. Her dad was very poorly, so she's lost her job and her home. So she's now working literally out of a stationary cupboard um, for an information technology firm, going around uh, making sure everyone has the right pens every day. Um, and then she looks on the notice board and sees another dog uh, a job for a dog sitter, and she takes that job as well. And through these two jobs, she actually gets herself in quite a few pickles. Um, <laughs> so um, it kind of she decides just basically to grab her self confidence back from the edge of oblivion. She wants to change her life completely, and she actually wants people to see her again. People literally like bump into her as she's standing there in the office and things like that. They don't talk to her. Um, and she has a lot to offer the world, so she wants to make them see her. Is, and is this, um, you, you, most of your work is romance. Is this also romance? 
Yes, it's romance. It's got an underlying sort of crime vibe. Um, but yeah, pretty much all of well, all of my books are romances, other than my networking book. It's a genre that I just absolutely love. I'm very passionate about. I think people enjoy it. They need uplifting. They need a bit of fun and some smiles during the day because they have enough of their own worries going on. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's the sort of genre that is just so incredibly relatable. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing. You think people can maybe see something of themselves in the characters or they can at least relate to them or, you know, they think, you know, maybe I'd like to know somebody like that or I do know somebody like that. Yeah. Um, or they can just understand the issues and feel maybe that they're not so um, on their own, they're not the only person going through something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is this your seventh or eighth book? This is actually my ninth book. Ninth yes. book. Um, wow. Okay. And I was wondering, you you said you were very proud of this this newest one. And I know for me, whenever I write something new, and then I look back at something that I'd written that was older, I just kind of look and, and think, oh my goodness, like look how far I've come. Do you did you find that? If you ever look back at your earlier books, you notice how much your style and process has changed. Um, I obviously have grown as a writer over the years, um, but my first book is absolutely really precious to me. Um, it helped me through some really tough times. My daughter was, uh, my youngest was unwell for many, many years. Um, so writing, I literally wrote the book just to get myself through the evening. So I would literally go up um, into a room, put the baby monitor next to me and just listen to her breathing while I wrote or coughing. She used to cough for years and years and years. Um, So actually writing that book sort of kept me going, kept me, you know, um, awake really. So that that holds a really special place in my heart, that book. And and when was that? How long ago was it? It Eight, nine years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. um, Long time. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But uh, like I say, and then I literally, well, actually, I wrote it five years before that, because then I literally, as her health started to improve, it took about 10 years. And then I I put the book in the cupboard for five years and just left it there until her health got much better. Wow. Um, And after that, I kind of took the book out and thought, oh, actually, maybe I could do something with this. (laughs) <laughs> and I sent it out to three people, and of the three, two of them offered me a, uh, a contract. So, oh wow, okay. Yeah. Well, the, some people think that that's one of the if if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that, that putting something away for the, as long a period of time as you can, and then coming back to it with these kind of fresh set of eyes is is the best way to edit. Yeah, it's a great way because then obviously you can see what you need to change, um, you know, and if it's still fresh and still relevant at that time. Um, for me, it was just because I'd never written anything like that. I'd done, you know, creative writing courses and things like that, but I'd never actually written a book. Um, and for me, it was kind of, it just, I was writing about sunshine and rock stars and things like that, whereas my life was completely the opposite to that. I was literally sitting in a dark room, um, sobbing into my desk most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's the writing experience, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you said you sent it to three people and they got a deal off that. Is that direct to publisher? Yes. Yeah. I've never had an agent. Um, I sent it, uh, yeah, I literally sent it to three and then, um, one offered me a contract, the other one expressed an interest. Um, and then, yeah, I signed with the the first one. I mean, there were smaller, they're smaller publishers, not very big publishers or indie publishers, but I just loved the sort of their ethos and the way they worked and, uh, the books they were putting out. Yeah. There's definitely some really cool sort of disruptive work coming out of this, these kind of new startup, um, usually genre based, uh, publishers yeah did you ever consider going the traditional route getting an agent yeah yeah I mean I've had um, same as most writers really I've gone through that phase of sending out to agents sending out to bigger yeah. publishers um but also I've always self-published myself in between anyway 
Um, mm. So I think, I mean, one of my best-selling books, um, I had come back from agents and publishers saying it wasn't um, commercial enough or the market was too crowded, um, whereas that book has been sitting in the top couple of hundred um, on the UK charts for nearly a year now. <laughs> um, so you just can't tell. You just have to follow your own path and do what you feel is right. Um, obviously, with big publishing agents, also they have so many clients and they have to, you know, they have to feel it's something that's going to make them money. They're in, yeah. they're, you know, they're in the business to make money and to look after the people they've already got, and they have to feel passionate about the story. Um, was obviously as writers, we do feel passionate about our work, so in a way, we're the best people to try and sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, between sort of small publishers and self-publishing, do you work with editors or is it mostly just down to your own redrafting and editing? No, I definitely work with editors. I work with professional editors with every single book. Um, I I think as an author, that is one of the most crucial processes um, to getting a professional book to market. Um, Obviously, unless you are a professional editor yourself, um, because I think, you know, you need to get the customer the best product they can possibly possibly have yeah. and people expect to have um you know good products these days there's no um, reason not to put your best thing um, out there so for me that if you're going to spend money on self-publishing it would be for the editing no definitely and i think um i've spoken to a few editors and uh there are editors that also write and put books out there and i think even they would say i will get another editor to look at this because I think you just need that, um, like an outside pair of eyes to 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 have a look and just see the things that you take for granted, I guess, in your own in your own writing. Yeah, I totally have heard that as well. Um, and obviously, I do know editors, and, and I know that they get their own work edited by someone else. Um, I just think it's absolutely crucial to get. And also, it's in, like you say, it's another pair of eyes looking through the manuscript, and they'll tell you, yeah. you know, if you've swapped someone's name out for something wrong, or my, ed- well, I've got different editors for different publishers because I've got a French publisher and an American publisher. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and they have different ways of editing and doing things. But um, you know, I've got one editor who's is very hot on like plants and flowers and things like that, and she'll say. That, you know, don't be so ridiculous. That doesn't flower at that time of year or something like that. <laughs> you know, you can't plant that near a house. It's, she's just very, very hot and things like that. Um, and, you know, or she'll put a funny comment saying, oh, this made me laugh so much I fell off my chair or something like that, which is absolutely <laughs> lovely. That's great. And you've obviously um, had a lot of success working with small publishers and self-publishing. Would you, at this point in your career, think about maybe getting an agent or do you feel like it's all working without and and there's no reason to change it yeah I absolutely um I'm loving it where I am at the moment um I think obviously you know having an agent is wonderful because it takes a lot of the pressure off it's quite isolating working on your your own actually yeah um and it's lovely to have that backup and uh, that personal support but for me I'm just so busy with all the things I'm already doing <laughs> yeah um, that it's tricky to kind of the submission process is also quite tiring and it can it be is. self-destroying sometimes yeah. um for your mental health and things like that and I'm kind of at a place at the moment where I'm just really enjoying um doing things my own way I've got my two publishers um and then I publish through choice um in between just because I don't like to leave my readers too long because um I mean my last uh, my American publisher it can take two years for a book to come out yeah so I like to publish in between so that the readers haven't got to wait too long for another book oh that's nice what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The, the, the ones that you self-publish, are they shorter or is it all sort of the same length, the same sort of structure and things? Yeah, they're more or less exactly the same. I tend okay. to write books that are generally about sort of 70,000, 80,000 words. Mm-hmm. And that's just how my books tend to come out. Um, I'm a pretty much fly by the seat of my pants type of person. <laughs> definitely, I don't plan everything. I tend to, I take literally a pen and a pad and I'll just start writing. So I have like my characters worked out and things like that. Um, but otherwise, um, and I have chapter guides. But then I literally go from my chapter guides and I just um, tend to write about the first 20,000 by hand. Um, okay. And then I go from there. How come you write the first 20,000 by hand? I don't know. I just find it a really creative thing. And also I yeah. like cake. So I tend to go out to a coffee shop and things. I haven't got a laptop. So I tend to go ah. to a coffee shop and I will. Um, I just love the process of the pen on paper. Um, and then after about 20,000, I start talking to myself and saying, this is just ridiculous. You can't <laughs> type these 20,000 words up. Um, so, um, I get onto a dictation program or something like that. Um, but right. I just really, yeah, I like seeing the words build up on a, on a sheet of paper. I think it's a lovely creative process. Yeah. There's something tactile about using a pen or a pencil that, that you feel so connected with it. Yeah. I also read somewhere that it uses a different part of your brain, but I may have made that up. I'm not quite sure if I just imagined that <laughs> that is actually yeah. true. Fact. <laughs> I could, I could see that because <laughs> I guess also it depends if you, t- if you can touch type or not, because the difference between like, if, if I'm typing, I will only look at the screen. Whereas if I'm writing, I'm always watching each letter as it sort of gets shaped out by my hand. Yeah, my handwriting is absolutely appalling as well. <laughs> as my whole family would test, it's, it's really bad. And when I'm trying to, um, if I use a software where I dictate it afterwards, quite often, especially with the Essex acting, um, it, it does tend to get quite a few words wrong. <laughs> so that's what I'm assuming as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I, I mean, if you imagine drafting all by hand redrafting your whole book (laughs) yes yeah it's not much fun so yeah I try to balance it out with a bit of both I find both typing on the computer and writing really creative um but I do also have to take breaks and step back from it and go meet a friend for coffee and things like that because for me that's creative time because otherwise your head literally feels like it's um you know banging on the desk where you just you don't have any time for feeling creative and feeling you know that you can breathe that's it yeah I think it's A lot of people put pressure on themselves as writers to say, I need to write X thousand words a day. I read a tweet from um, Terry Pratchett's daughter just the other day, actually, saying that he would would basically write a thousand words every day. Sometimes he'd write a lot more, but he'd always make himself just write a thousand and that would be enough because the rest of the time he would be sort of doing different things and just kind of getting all his creativity going and, and getting excited about stuff. Yeah, I totally um, am all for that. I I agree. I think you need to get the words on paper, obviously, because if you haven't got the words, then you can't do any editing. You can't get your books out there. So the writing time does have to be prioritised. But I absolutely think as a creative person that you do need to go for that walk, get outside, you know, see family and friends, even if it's just on your own, doing something different, looking at a different view, um, because I think that inspires the writing um, and then you come back with a fresh pair of eyes and you actually got the energy to put the words on the paper. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Going back to a more businessy side of things, 
um, self-publishing. How how do how have you found self-publishing? You've done a few, like it several times now. Yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, it's it's very very full on. Um, self-publishing is not something to be taken lightly because it's yeah. hard work. Uh, you know, you are your best advocate. You are your marketing person, your PR person. You're the person who has to get your covers sorted out and your audio, your everything, everything you want to do. Um, you are that person unless you've got the money to hire someone in. Um, so for, especially for marketing. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be isolating because this is why I'm very much for networking because if you build a network of support around you, for me it's, um, you know, people from my book group or from online, book bloggers, I think, um, you know, they're so selfless. They're absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I count them as part of my team because they're so supportive. And I think, you know, don't underestimate the people around you because if you create a really strong network, then um, they really will help lift you up and, and you're there for them as well. It's definitely a two-way street. Um, it's not just about, you know, what can other people do for me? It's definitely about what you can do for them. Um, it's yeah. not about instant payback or anything like that. It's about literally just helping people where you can. Um, and then one day, you know, maybe later down the line, if you need something and you say, you know, can, is there anyone out there to help me? Um, then hopefully maybe they'll be there for you too. Yeah, that's a lovely, it's a lovely out look and it would be if everyone shared that we would have a, a much lovelier society I think <laughs> <laughs> but it's also very business minded because you know you create this network around you of support and of people that really want you to do well and you want them to do well and actually as a business it supports your business so it's not just about you know being nice and friendly which obviously it's a very kind and generous community yeah. um, but it's also about pushing each other and come on you can do this and get those books out there and maybe you can change this or swap that out or or maybe you know how can we help each other it's very very business-led as well yeah yeah so speaking of business-led tell us about creative biz hour all oh, right well that's a, a networking hour on twitter i've been running that for five or six years now um and it trends quite regularly um it's just a really busy lovely hour full of creative people it doesn't have to be writers it's we've got photographers on there we've got graphic designers we've got people who make cakes and bakers and chefs and all sorts of different people but anyone and people that haven't got a business as well they just love chatting to other creatives and it's just a way to come on and um the idea is that you just use the hashtag in your tweets during the hour and then you chat to other creatives you get support about your business hopefully you share each other's work on each other's timelines so it gets your work seen by different people and uh, it's really lovely good community support what what was the what was the inspiration that made you sort of start that um, well, I've always had my own creative businesses. I had, before I was writing, I had um, a um, retail and wholesale business for over 15 years okay. until my daughter wasn't very well and then I um, I needed to be at home. So I've got a business background. Um, so I just thought, I, you know, I got so much support when I wrote my first book from other people, people who didn't know me. Um, and I just wanted to offer some support back to other creatives. So I thought, well, let's start a hashtag hour where, you know, we can all support each other. Amazing. That's, I mean, it, it's, it's so great that you're sort of building a community, but not necessarily building, but bringing a community together of people that wouldn't necessarily have interacted um, or, or, as you said before, being able to help each other in that kind of nice mutual way. That's right. And it's, it's people um, who are doing sort of maybe smaller businesses. There are all types of businesses on there. 
Um, but sometimes they can feel quite lonely or isolated or they feel maybe they're going through something where they've had a down month or they want to try out some marketing ideas or they've done a packaging or a logo and they want some advice on, you know, how that's going or they're not hitting their writing goals and they want to know, you know, what can I do to just, you know, get more out of my day or I need to wind down and relax more. I'm doing too much. There's that community there to yeah. ask those questions. It's not just me. It's everybody in the group. You can ask the questions and then, um, you know, hopefully find some support. Amazing. Going back to writers, for people looking to get into uh, writing, uh, romance maybe, or maybe self-publishing, what advice would you give people who are looking to move into that space? I'll just say go for it. You know, really give it a go. Self-publishing is wonderful. Publishing as a whole is wonderful. Um, whether yeah. you're published with, um, you know, I love my publishers. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, I also enjoy self-publishing. The community of indie uh, writers is amazing. Um, but I would say editing is absolutely key um, when you're self-publishing and professional cover also. Um, and then it comes down to things like getting your book blurb right because, um, again, that's one of the first things people will read about your work. Um, so those three things I think are absolutely key to spend time on getting right before you actually hit that publish button. Right. When you um, you say you work with editors for all of your work – that is presumably freelance editors when you're doing the self-publishing stuff. Yeah, with the self-publishing, it's freelance editors. Um, so I work with, well, I generally work with the same editor that is with one of my publishers on a lot of my books. And then I have okay. another editor through my other publisher in, in America. So, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely crucial. My books go through four or five rounds of editing um, yeah. because, um, and proofreading um because like i say you want the customer to enjoy the experience as much as possible um and you know they shouldn't expect anything less really you just do your best what you can for them there's yeah. a lot of hard work getting a book to you know out to market and published is, is, is a lot of hard work um so um it's not something to do lightly you know um it's quite a big decision something you've spent so long writing and working on and then you're yeah pushing it out there for other people to see but if you love what you do then, then you're kind of driven to get more books out yeah, of course, of course. No, I was going to ask, do you use the same editor or a couple of editors for sort of consistency? Because it's quite an important relationship. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's very important. I mean, it might not work for everybody, for, but for me, you, you do build quite a close relationship. They know your writing, they know your styles, they know what you're kind of saying. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you miss something or, um, you know, they're going to tell you or if they really enjoy something, they're going to really tell you because they know your style. Yeah. I mean, and then the other thing is not only knowing your style is sort of like uh, your style and your visions are in line, as in you both know what the product is wants to look like at the end. Yeah, I think that's quite important. Um, I mean, it must be hard for editors to um, work with books out of the genre that they enjoy reading, I guess. But I don't know because I'm not an editor. Um <laughs> It must be, you know, it must be, but then maybe that's something they really enjoy. I don't know um, because it makes the work really varied, doesn't it? Um, and exciting. Uh, but I absolutely love um, working with my editors. And like I say, with my new publisher in America, I had a new editor there and I was quite nervous working with someone new, but she was absolutely brilliant as well. So um, I think you just have to work out what's best for you and do it that way. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, this brings us on to the final question, which is. Lizzie, if you were stranded on a desert island with just one book, which book would it be? And um, for me, it would probably be The Hobbit. 
um, okay. uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, the reason is because that was the book that absolutely inspired me to write. I, I, I've always picked up books from the library, been obsessed by books, but when I was in school, I wasn't so interested. Um, and then I picked up that book. We had to read it for an English class. And I just couldn't believe that a book could be that magical between the pages. <laughs> I literally just read it and read it and read it. And yeah. um, it really inspired me that books could be so sort of exciting and magical. And after that, I just read everything I could get my hands on. <laughs> so for me, it's quite an inspiring story. It's about sort of uh, personal growth and overcoming fears and applying wits and common sense and stuff like that. So um, there's so much going on in the story. I think you could read it over and over again and still be excited by it. Yeah, no, that's lovely. It's nice that you have such a personal connection with that. With yeah. the, is there potentially uh, is there potentially a universe where you write fantasy maybe in the future? Well, I have. I mean, I've got ideas for other books. I absolutely love. I always end up um, going back to romance because I love romance books. But I have got ideas for two or three um, other books that I've already written the notes down for, oh, <clears> and I've actually okay. done a children's series with my mum as well. So there are other genres um, that I've written down, but it's having the hours in the day yeah. to <laughs> get all the books yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your, your experiences and telling us all about your writing and your and your processes. It's been, it's been really, really interesting speaking with you. Oh, I'm just thrilled to be invited. It's lovely. Thank you very much. Oh, you're most welcome. And for everyone listening, to keep up with everything that Lizzie's doing, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Lizzie underscore Chantry or go to her website, lizziechantry.com. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, uh, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again, Lizzie. It's been really great. We will see everybody on the next episode. Bye now.